the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, the 15th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Hope you are having an outstanding morning. Joining us now, it just became more outstanding for me and for you as well because we have Peter Kersenow on the air. Peter Kersenow, the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Also a member of Cleveland Attorney and a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty well. Only four weeks till Pitchers and Catchers, which is the official start of spring. Only 72 days to opening day, and the Browns are moving fast. I think they've pretty much consolidated uh, most of their offseason moves. I hope they get some free agents, maybe one or two, maybe a linebacker, but uh, we're you know well under the cap. But the front office looks like it's pretty much set. Uh, I noticed you ignored the Cavaliers. Well, you know, we Aren't are... Aren't you going to count down to the NBA Finals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to count down to the draft because right now it looks like we're in the pole position for Zion Williamson. There you go. That's probably the best way to look at it. All right, uh, Peter Kirsten, now, um look, we're, we're going nowhere fast uh, with ending this shutdown. The president, and I think absolutely 100% correctly, rejected the suggestion by Lindsey Graham to open the government for three weeks so the negotiations can continue while people are getting paid. And then if after three weeks nothing happens, then go ahead and declare a state of emergency and, 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 uh, and, and, and demand the wall to be funded that way uh, by existing military dollars, Army Corps of Engineers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Pete, I, th- I don't think there, there is any negotiation that, that has taken place. The Democrat, the President of the United States has compromised in so many different ways to try to end this impasse. He has changed it from a wall to a barrier or a fence. He has changed it from concrete to steel. He has changed the funding from $25 billion to $5.7 billion. Now he said he'll take anything in the twos. Let's just get some money for the wall to get it started, and then we get these people back to work. The Democrats have said flat out, nope, no wall. Nope, no wall. That's it, no wall. They're, they're not negotiating in good faith. They're not saying, here's what we want in exchange for border wall funding. They're just flat out saying no wall. How can anything get done when they refuse to even uh, begin to compromise, Pete? Yeah, when when the pressure starts to build a little bit more, and, and everything you said is, is correct, and I think that the shutdown will probably last for a considerable period of time, especially since I think for the moment the president has taken off the table the issue of uh, declaring a national emergency and using Pentagon funds to build the wall. Um, I do think, contrary to the conventional political wisdom, that is, you know, all the usual suspects in the press who are constantly saying that, you know, Trump is feeling the pressure of the shutdown and Trump is being blamed. Yeah, Trump may be blamed for the shutdown, but blame is a different thing from saying that something is going wrong. Uh, I mean, they may blame him or, or assign blame to him for the shutdown, which I don't think is correct. I think there are, you know, two parties to this. But nonetheless... The more we see, for example, another caravan come up, which, man, that is, in terms of political theater, that is the opposite of what Democrats need right now, is another another caravan approaching the border, which further establishes the need for a wall. But you have that. You're going to have further stories of illegal immigrants committing crimes. You're going to have pressure being placed on the Democrats by Trump is exactly right. Uh, most of the people 
who are currently laid off are Democrats or vote Democrat. The people who affect who are affected by the layoff, not exclusively, but to a large extent, a disproportionate extent, are Democrat voters. It's not going to hurt Trump that much politically from a vote standpoint, but the pressure begins to build, and it has already begun building on the Democrats, when upwards of, if you segregate various departments of the federal government, particularly within the Beltway, as to what the party affiliations are of those government workers, in some respects, it's as high as 97% are Democrats. Those are the folks, in other words, it's, it's Democrat constituents who are feeling the pinch. And on the other hand, with exceptions here and there, I don't want to necessarily say, oh, this has absolutely no impact. But most of us here in flyover country aren't feeling any kind of pain out of this. People are saying, so what? Their daily lives go on. You know, you may have a little glitch here or there, uh, but nothing of any significance. And I think it makes the case for a number of us conservatives that, you know what? Um, The federal government is very huge and doesn't serve any at least demonstrable purpose for us in flyover country. Why should it be that huge? And it makes an argument for those in Congress and the president that, you know what? We can shrink government and uh, save some money as a result. So anyway, bottom line is, after all of that, I think that this is going to last for a while. I don't see an end in sight. Uh, I was talking to some people in Washington yesterday who were going through the math on this, and uh, they don't see anyone blinking anytime soon. But I think that there's going to be a critical mass that forms sometime in the next couple of weeks, and that caravan might help to move the needle a little bit. But, but for whom? Uh, because I mean, again, I I, I am seeing absolutely. Z- maybe I'm being cynical. Zero percent pressure being brought to bear upon Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Zero. You can sit here and talk about how most of the those being uh, furloughed are are Democrats. Which, by the way, I did not know, and I don't know how that's calculated. I don't know how Democrats work for one part of the government that is shut down, but not others. Blah blah blah. But regardless of that, they're not screaming at Nancy Pelosi. Deal with him. They're not screaming at Nancy Pelosi. Give him something so that he can give you something so we can get this thing over with and we can get back to work. They're not doing it. We're on day 25 now, Pete, and nobody is putting pressure on Pelosi here. It's all still being called the Trump shutdown, and he's the only. Even Lindsey Graham yesterday said, President, reopen the government, as if this is all on him. Mr. President, reopen the government for three weeks, and then we'll talk. I, I mean, I, I see zero, 25 days in, percent of the pressure being put on Pelosi and Schumer. Why should they budge? Well, uh, remember one thing. Yes, it's been going on for more than three weeks, but it wasn't until Saturday when the first paychecks went missing, okay? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been any real financial pressure. They've missed one paycheck, and that just occurred a couple of days ago. It'll start to reach more of a critical mass in the, you know, the next week and a half when they miss a second paycheck and then the third. And it is true that there's not a whole lot of at least apparent yelling and screaming at Pelosi and Schumer to reopen the government. But to a large extent, it goes back to my old thing of, you know, if a tree falls in the forest but nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, the Democrat press, which is 98% of, of mainstream press out there, isn't reporting it. That doesn't mean it's not happening. Now, I happen to speak to people in Washington on a fairly regular basis. I know folks within different agencies, and there's a squeeze going on there. Now, they may not be yelling and screaming at this point because, again, as I said before, one paycheck has been missed. People don't like it. It's an inconvenience. But at a certain point, 
people are going to start to feel more of the pressure. And then I'm not saying that Trump is going to be alleviated of, of any kind of pressure in this debate, but most of that pressure is going to begin to be visited on Pelosi and Schumer because, number one, they chiefly come from their constituency. But number two, as you stated at the outset, Bob, most of any movement or any compromise or attempts to compromise have been made by the president and Schumer and Pelosi are the ones who are saying, nope, we're not doing it. We're not even going to give you, and everyone knows, by the way, everyone knows that $5 billion is nothing in the grand scheme of federal budgets. So it looks to be more petulance than any kind of true policy difference. Well, of course, of course it is. It's, it's not about the money. Pete, would you agree, Peter Kersenow, that if Mexico sent us a check tomorrow, for the full $25 billion of border wall funding. Maybe because they would say, you know what, if you guys had a blockade there, all of these Hondurans wouldn't keep trying to pass through our country to get to you, and then we wouldn't have to deal with them. Maybe they would stay home. And this, of course, is hypothetical. But if they said, we'll pay for the dang thing, build it, do you think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer would allow it to be built? It's not about the money. If it gets right. built, Trump wins. And that's the point here. Ted, Ted, Ted Cruz just reintroduced the El Chapo Act. $14 billion he's got. If they can, yep. see, if they can go ahead and, and uh, uh, confiscate all of that and apply it to the building of the wall, it wouldn't cost us a nickel. But do you think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer would, would allow it to be built? They'd file no, lawsuits in two seconds because it's not about the money. It's about Trump. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, you know, simply because it's about Trump doesn't mean pressure doesn't begin to build. I don't think, though, that any time in the near future we see a path to reopening the government and getting the wall built. I think it's gonna, we're going to be in for the long term. You know, I've heard some people speculate that it could be months. I don't know. You know, what, what I do know is this, that very often in these kinds of situations, when you have either a government stalemate or some other kind of intractable situation, Sometimes the solution appears from a, a source or an avenue that you least expect. So it's difficult to say what's going to break the logjam. But for right now, I don't see any kind of hope of a resolution on the horizon. I don't either, Pete. And, that, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm at a position where, and I'm not saying this is the president's fault, um, because he is trying to well, compromise you know, I, and do what I, he can. I but I, Bob, and sorry for interrupting. It's not the president's fault insofar as uh, if it is, it's because he didn't put enough pressure on the Paul Ryans of the world when he had a yes. Republican Congress. That is the big problem. All of us here, and if, if I didn't shave my head, I'd be pulling out my hair. But we were pulling out our hair, and our hair was on fire about the fact that the Republican Congress for two years did absolutely nothing about this. And we were yelling at them, do something about it, and they did nothing. So we can blame Pelosi and Schumer, but we can also blame Paul Ryan to large measure for this because they could have gotten it done at some point. Yeah, that's very well said. I will blame the president for letting two years of opportunities go by. How many times did he do what he's refusing to do now? And that is sign these spending bills without any funding for the wall. He should have had this fight a long time ago when his party was still in power, as opposed to uh, Pelosi running things. Station. Hi, this is Kelsey Grammer. When military service members head into battle, None are expected to face the enemy alone, but many return home and become isolated as they struggle with the visible and invisible wounds of war. It can be difficult knowing how to overcome that challenge and rekindle bonds similar to those formed in the military. Wounded Warrior Project supports these injured veterans through their recoveries by connecting them with fellow warriors and their communities. No one should fight this battle alone. Join us at WoundedWarriorProject.org. 
All right, 1024 now, the Bob France Authority continues. Peter Kirsten now back with us again as well. Peter, of course, a Cleveland attorney, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and the host of the Kirsten Now Report that you hear here every week on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Pete, this is just one of the most bizarre stories. You know, we knew... <clears throat> We knew that the FBI, under its former corrupt leadership, uh, the likes of which include uh, James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and others, we knew what they had been involved in in trying to uh, subvert uh, uh, President, well, then-candidate Trump, uh, uh, Trump's chances to win the presidency and then to take him out uh, when he did. But my goodness, I didn't know it had gone this far. The FBI opening an investigation or considering and debating amongst itself, opening an investigation of Donald Trump as a Russian agent, not just a puppet of Vladimir Putin, an actual employee working on behalf of Vladimir Putin. That's how insane it has gotten. Your response? Um, Well, you said it right there. It's insane, and it's completely contrary to the governmental structure we have. The FBI forgot who they're working for. This may be um, troubling to some. It may be something that's frightening to some. But the fact of the matter is that if the president decides to have a policy of engagement with a Russia or a China or anyone else, that is his exclusive Article Two prerogative to do. He can do that at any time. The essence of representative government such as this indicates that that's what the people wanted. In other words, if he does it, it's because the people wanted it, because they elected him to do some, to discharge the policies he's articulated. It is completely upended. Now, what the FBI can do and should do is, if they believe that Russians are somehow surveilling Trump or, or trying to influence him improperly using some unlawful method, then counterintelligence dictates, sure, of course they're going to investigate that, but in this case, they're investigating Trump, ostensibly because, if you're to believe the New York Times report, that he made comments and did things that seemed to suggest that he favored uh, Russia. Well, you know, Barack Obama made a lot of comments that favored Iran and did a lot of things that palpably assisted Iran that was trying to kill us at the same time. But um, for a bad policy, clearly very bad policy, and unless he violates some specific statute that is his prerogative to do just that. It may be bad ideas, but it's not unlawful. But the very fact that the FBI would do this, I guess what the FBI, what the New York Times doesn't have is any kind of self-awareness. Their hatred and the media hatred of Trump is so great that they didn't examine the, fa- the fact that the FBI doing this is itself corrupt and it's got the elements of a coup to this thing. They work for the president. They're the part of the executive branch. He gives them commands. And if they are lawful commands, they are to discharge them. They don't have the ability to just open up an investigation of the president because they believe he's an agent of the Soviet Union or, or Russia. That's extraordinary. And where were these same people? Where is the New York Times, for example, when we had actual evidence of unlawful collusion, not just collusion, but undermining the interests of the United States, some would say treason, on the part of a whole host of individuals that they continue to deny or simply ignore, such as Alger Hiss. And then you take a look at what happened with Ted Kennedy in 1981, 1982, when he was making um, 
uh, entreaties to the Soviet Union at the height of the Cold War to undermine Ronald Reagan. Now, he didn't have the authority to engage in that type of conduct, but you hear nothing but yawns, or you don't hear the yawns, you hear nothing whatsoever from the mainstream media about that stuff. But this is, this is troubling. It's um, a function of the lack of media self-awareness as to what the true story is. They call it a blockbuster. It's a blockbuster, absolutely, but not for the reasons that the media have been uh, talking about ad infinitum. And uh, so far, you know, we've had an investigation for more than two years now. And what do we have for it? Well, I mean, there's, there's nothing there. That's another blockbuster that we've had the organs of government to some extent grind to a halt. We know that the president's agenda has been frustrated and thwarted, and he's been consumed with this Russia investigation. And at this point, because we've seen leaks of the most minor details, we have seen absolutely nothing that would suggest even anything remotely like what was alleged at the outset of this investigation. And it continues on because people have lost their minds in the media and the Democratic Party, but I repeat myself. Pete, do you think um, the uh, left is prepared for the big nothing burger that's going to be released? Jonathan Carl, ABC News, not exactly a right-wing news organization, uh, has uh, declared um, this Mueller report is almost certain to be, quote, anticlimactic, meaning there's just not what people are. You know, they expect Mueller to come out here with uh, indictments and prison cells for everybody, and especially Donald Trump. He says it's not going to happen. Yeah, um, I tend to think that's probably the case. There'll be something there. You get a report, and I think that one of the reasons we have a delay is because the report is being crafted in a way to beef it up as much as they possibly can and make it a lot more serious-looking than it truly is. To justify its think, existence, to justify it, Mueller's existence in this thing. Precise, precisely right. And I also think that, yeah, the, the left is going to be very disappointed, but that's not going to stop them. I think that they will take any report and try to embellish it, and they're going to continue to flog it to death to make it seem more than it actually is. They're not going to get let go of this. If the Mueller report ends in a big nothing burger, which we all believe it to be, that won't stop the media from making these accusations, from insinuating that there's more there, and uh, the... The Democrats in Congress and other liberal interest groups are going to continue to allege that there's something nefarious about Trump, and he's just a bad man. You know, the old phrase about orange man bad. It doesn't matter whatsoever what the outcome is. It will not change the narrative. Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer, making us smarter each and every time he visits. Pete, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll expect to have your uh, report on on the the NBA Finals next time around, okay? (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Talk to you later. Thank you, Pete. Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer. Your phone calls to follow the news. The Bob France Authority continues after this. Forrester and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 
1035, the Bob France Authority continues. AM 1420, the answer. Our guests, uh, our, our guests are uh, concluded for the day is what I'm trying to say, which means we are guest-free the rest of the way. And that means you can dial now, 216-901-0945 and get in, or 888 I do want to do something, though, that uh, Hugh Hewitt did very early this morning. So I'm assuming you were not listening then if you're listening now. And uh, a new audience means we can go ahead and share this. There was an anonymous op-ed that ran yesterday in uh, the Daily Caller, on the Daily Caller website, thedailycaller.com. It's a conservative uh, news website uh, providing all of the uh, information and uh, uh, points of view that the mainstream media will not, of course, uh, will never, of course, allow you to hear. And that's why I put a little bit more faith in this anonymous op-ed that was run than I do the anonymous op-ed that was run by the New York Times a few months ago. You recall that, right? The New York Times ran an anonymous op-ed from somebody claiming to be a Trump administration official and talked about how dangerous he was and how unprepared he was and how this, that, and the other thing. It was a hit piece on Trump, allegedly from inside, who said he is working to be the resistance from inside the Trump White House. And it was discredited discredited by many uh, for a number of reasons, including uh, the fact that uh, most Trump administration officials who were asked about this directly uh, repudiated so much, not just the existence of the author, but repudiated so many of the facts, provably, by the by, uh, or so many of the claims or allegations, I should say, that were being purported as facts in the article. But this is a little bit different, because this op-ed, which is purported to have been written by a senior Trump official as a contributor to the Daily Caller, it would seem to make a little more sense that this is legitimate because of the fact uh, that the Daily Caller is a conservative uh, website that generally supports the policies of the president. They're not going to put something like this in there, um, you know, unless they did some real checking to make sure that the individual is who he says he is in the Trump administration. So the headline of this piece is, I'm a senior Trump official, and I hope a long shutdown smokes out the resistance. And the byline is senior Trump official. The Daily Caller, excuse me, I'm still fighting a cough. The Daily Caller is taking the rare step of publishing this anonymous op-ed at the request of the author, a senior official in the Trump administration, whose identity is known to us. And that's the difference. In the New York Times, they did not know who wrote it. They just ran it whose identity is known to us and whose career would be jeopardized by its its disclosure. We believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important message to our readers. We invite you to submit a question about the essay to or our vetting process here, and it provides a link. So I want you to listen. This is, an, this is a senior Trump administration official. As one of the senior officials working without a paycheck, a few words of advice for the president's next move at shuttered government agencies. Lock the doors, sell the furniture, and cut them down. Federal employees are starting to feel the strain of the shutdown. I'm one of them. But for the sake of our nation, I hope it lasts a very long time, till the government has changed and can never return to its previous form. The lapse in appropriations is more than a battle over a wall. It is an opportunity to strip wasteful government agencies for good. On an average day, roughly 15% of the employees around me are exceptional patriots serving their country. 
I wish I could give competitive salaries to them and no one else. But 80% feel no such pressure to produce results. If they don't feel like doing what they're told, they don't. Why would they? We can't fire them. They avoid attention, plan their weekend, schedule vacation, their second job, their next position. Some do this in the same position for more than a decade. They do nothing that warrants punishment and nothing of external value. That is their weekday, or their workday, rather. Errands for the sake of errands. Administering, refining, following, and collaborating on process. Process is your friend, is what delusional civil servants tell themselves. Even senior officials must gain approval from every rank across their department, other agencies, and work units for basic administrative chores. Process is what we serve. Process keeps us safe. Process is our core value. It takes a lot of people to maintain the process. Process provides jobs. In fact, there are process experts and certified process managers who protect the process. Then there are the 5% with moxie, career managers. At any given time, they can change, clarify, or add to the process, even to distort or block policy counsel for the president. Saboteurs peddling opinion as research, tasking their staff on pet projects, or pitching wasteful grants to their friends. Most of my career colleagues actively work against the president's agenda. That means I typically spend about 15% of my time on the president's agenda and 85% of my time trying to stop sabotage. And we have no power to get rid of them. Until the shutdown. Due to the lack of funding, many federal agencies are now operating more effectively from the top down on a fraction of their workforce. With only select essential personnel serving national security tasks. One might think this is how government should function, but bureaucracies, bureaucracies operate from the bottom up. A collection of self-generated ideas. Ideas become initiatives, formalize into offices, they seek funds from Congress and become uh, bureaus or sub-agencies. And maybe, one day, uh, uh, and maybe one day grow to be their own independent agency like ours. The nature of a big administrative bureaucracy is to grow and serve itself. I watch it and I fight it daily. When the agency is full, employees held liable for poor performance respond with threats, lawsuits, complaints, and process in at least a dozen offices, taking years of mounting paperwork with no fear of accountability, extending their careers, while no real work is being done. Do we succumb to such extortion? Yes. We pay them settlements, we waive bad reviews, and we promote them. <clears throat> Many government agencies have adopted the position that more complaints are good because it shows inclusion in, you guessed it, the process. When complaints come, it is cheaper to pay them off than to hold public servants accountable. The result? People accused of very serious offenses are not charged, and self-proclaimed victims are paid by you, the American taxpayer. The message to federal supervisors is clear. Maintain the status quo or face allegations. Many federal employees truly believe that doing tasks more efficiently and cutting out waste by closing troubled programs instead of expanding them is morally wrong, as one cried to me. I get it. These are their pets. It is tough to put them down and let go, and many resist. This phenomenon was best summed up by a colleague who said, the goal in government is to do nothing. If you try to get things done, that's when you'll run into trouble.
But President Trump can end this abuse. Senior officials can reprioritize during an extended shutdown, focus on valuable results, and weed out the saboteurs. We do not want most employees to return because we are working better without them. Sure, we empathize with families making tough financial decisions, like mine, and just, a, and just like private citizens who have to find other work to bring competitive value every day while paying more than a third of their salary in federal taxes. President Trump has created more jobs in the private sector than the furloughed federal workforce. Now that we are shut down, not only are we identifying and eliminating much of the sabotage and waste, but we are working together on the president's agenda. President Trump does not need Congress to address the border security, or excuse me, the border emergency, rather. And yes, it is an emergency. Billions upon billions of hard-earned tax dollars are still being dumped into foreign aid programs every year that do nothing for America's interest or national security. The president does not need a congressional funding to deconstruct abusive agencies who work against his agenda. This is a chance to affect real change, and his leverage grows stronger every day the shutdown lasts. The president should add to his demands, including a vote on all his political nominees in the Senate. Send the career appointees back. Many are in the 5% of saboteurs and resistance leaders. A word of caution. To be a victory, this shutdown must be different than those of the past and should achieve lasting disruption with two major changes or it will hurt the president. The first thing we need out of this is better security, particularly at the southern border. Our founders envisioned a free market night watchman state, not the bungled, bloated bureaucracy our government has become. But we have to keep the uninformed officers paid, which is an emergency. Ideally, continue a resolution to pay the essential employees only. If they are truly working on national security, furloughed employees should find other work, never return, and not be paid. Secondly, we need savings for taxpayers. If this fight is merely rhetorical bickering with Nancy Pelosi, we all lose, especially the president. But if it proves that government is better when smaller, focusing only on essential functions that serve Americans, then President Trump will will achieve something great that Reagan was only bold enough to dream. The president's instincts are right. Most Americans will not miss non-essential government functions. A referendum to end government plunder must happen. Wasteful government agencies are fighting for relevance, but they will lose. Now is the time to deliver historic change by cutting them down forever. That was a lengthy op-ed. I felt like every word needed to be read. I read it this morning, and I listened to Hugh Hugh Hewitt read it as well. The author of that piece is a senior official in the Trump administration, identified uh, only, uh, well, not identified at all, but essentially uh, allowed to remain anonymous by the Daily Caller, who does know who the individual is, who agreed to run this piece anonymously, which is against their normal editorial standards, but because uh, it would jeopardize the career of the individual who wrote it. Mind you, this senior official is one working without a paycheck. And he is calling for a long shutdown, one that proves that the government can still function without these non-essential departments being staffed, one that proves the government can run more efficiently and more effectively on smaller personnel rather than all of the wasteful, bloated, uh, bureaucratic nightmares that, uh, that continue to occupy those buildings and those offices. 
the saboteurs who are actively working against the president? So this senior Trump official is calling for a long shutdown so that we can prove we don't need them and let's cut them loose for good. I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. 216 It's kind of interesting that that op-ed was written yesterday. Same time, I read a really great op-ed by uh, Daniel Horowitz, my friend from the uh, uh, from uh, Conservative Review. But Daniel, excuse me, Daniel wrote a great piece asking essentially, um, why is everybody worried about the actual employees that have been uh, laid off as opposed to the jobs that are not being done while they're gone? Clearly, those jobs are not important. The government continues to operate. We're, we're missing out on nothing. So why don't we just go ahead and call this what, the, what it is? It should be just a purge of all of those individuals from federal government. Go find more uh, uh, private sector jobs. We just don't need this many people anymore. It's a great point. Um, let's go to Navy man Norm, who's calling us from Strongsville on AM 1420, The Answer, and uh, see what he thinks about all this. See, Norm, go ahead. I have mixed emotions about this, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. I spent three years working as a GS-12, which is kind of high up the pecking order in the uh, old Navy Finance Center. And at the end of the three years, before I, de- I decided before I could lose my mind by trying to do my job to the best of my ability, because people would tell me to slow down, you're working too fast, uh, you're working too hard, things of this nature. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. I went back to the private sector. And I mean, I, in retrospect, my six years in the Navy plus the three years at the Navy Finance Center gave me nine years. So if I had just hung on, you know, and did nothing for the next 11 years, I would have had a nice 20 year fat pension for doing, well, partially do, <laughs> serving my country, but the rest doing that. My wife has 32 years at NASA. She's been laid off now for three weeks. We are having no problems whatsoever uh, because. We don't live paycheck to paycheck, and we have no bills of any consequence. And I hear what you're saying. I would, I would venture to say, Bob, that if 50 percent of the federal workforce were to uh, not to return to work, it would be a boon for the president for the country as far as the budget goes. So, not only as far as the budget goes, but if you believe what the senior uh, administration official who wrote that piece says, you would also be eliminating. So many of the saboteurs, you know, he 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 said, you know, and this is somebody who's on the inside, who said that probably fifteen percent of the workers uh, in the federal government uh, that he is aware of are doing their jobs and working hard and contributing to uh, the the country and 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 serving her needs. Eighty five percent of them are doing nothing if not actively working against the president, trying to sabotage his own policies. Uh, that that's staggering to me. And and if they can, yeah. you know, you said you said eliminate fifty percent of the workforce. If if we can make sure that the fifty percent is the right fifty percent, it'll help right. not only the, help the president not only by way of the budget, but just by the way of getting rid of all of the, you know, what we like to call the deep the deep staters who are continuing to work in federal government but not working toward the president's agenda. Your uh, his point is right on target. I mean, to try to get somebody fired, even if they were to commit a major felony. Uh, <laughs> Is one uh, is a miracle, really? It, yeah, it, it's I, incredible. Yeah, I, mean, I, I completely I, agree. So, so, so at the end of the day, though, uh, and, and again, I know you said your wife works for NASA and she's she's on uh, not being paid now either. Um, 
do you agree that that allowing this thing to to drag on for a few months, proving that the government is still operational, in fact, probably is a little leaner and a little bit working a little bit more effectively, that it will eventually pay off uh, by by sending these other people to the private sector? And again, you you have a, you have some skin in the game here because your wife works for NASA, as you said. Yeah. But but if people uh, if people have to go get jobs in the private sector. Uh, because government is now proven to have been overbloated and and so many of these positions unnecessary, um, is is that an acceptable outcome for you? For us, yes. Yeah, <clears throat> we have no well, problem because she's she's due to retire in um, in June. The only thing that holds up is uh, processing. The only thing we really feel sorry for for the pensioners whose paperwork is sitting in limbo now because it takes a good two months after you retire to receive your first you know, pension check um, sure. afterward. So these sure. people who retired at year end are really... They're, they're kind of in limbo. I mean, but those they, in the middle of their careers, though, you know, Norm, right. that's the thing. Those in the middle of their careers, they're not near retirement age. They're basically saying, I was going to get a, a, you know, a, a government retirement uh, a, a pension, uh, but now I'm going to have to go work in the private sector. Uh, it, it's going to stink for them. It is. And they're going to have to then take the, you know, the money that was saved in one and perhaps put it into an IRA or rolled it into a 401k at a private company. Those, those, it's going to stink for those people. But at the end of the day, the federal government doesn't exist to serve individual federal work. It exists to serve the goal of the American people, and that's right. and that and, and and if it's overbloated, and and all of these people are non-essential, and all of these departments are non-essential, aside from that fact that so many of them are working against the interest of the president, uh, it, to me it's it's the right thing to do. Let this thing drag out, uh, even though it's going to be you know short-term short-term political harm uh, for yeah. the president, but but let it drag out and prove at the end of the day that this this country can operate on a much more lean federal government and be more efficient in the process. And I think that's well, what it should be. Less, less, the, uh, less you, Bob, and less the uh, listeners think that the people at the Navy Finance Center didn't work their tails off. I can honestly say they did. And the worst part of this is once we had this one particular system up and running, about two years later, the government decided, well, you know what? We're going to give this to, uh, I think it was Arthur, no, it was Ernst & Young. We're going to give this to Ernst & Young to run and maintain. $40 million later, that system <laughs> came back to us. Well, Norm, I, I got to run here. I appreciate it, my friend. That's the kind of government uh, inefficiency that obviously we're talking about getting rid of. Thank you so much for the call. Back after this. I've seven. All right, short on time here in our last segment of the uh, broadcast. Let's squeeze a couple more phone calls in before we're done. Max is a first-time caller from Cleveland. You're on the air. Max, go right ahead, sir. Yes, hi. Hi, Mr. France. I'm calling. Oh, you're not a you're not a sir. I'm I'm sorry. I I thought uh, is it Ma- is Max short for Maxine? I'm Max Maxine. Yes, sir. Got it. Okay, Maxine, go ahead. Yes, I'm calling in to comment about President Trump. I think he's doing a wonderful job. I am a poor, hardworking Republican. And I think everything he's doing with the shutdown and the wall is great. And these Democrats need to wake up and smell the coffee. And also some Republicans need to wake up. They need to stand behind our president. He worked so hard to try to do what's right for us, and yet people are so stupid. They're not listening and looking at what he's trying to do. He's done so much for us, and yet and still. And then one more thing I want to say. If the Democrats want these illegal aliens over here why not let them live in the house with them let them tell them to let them move in their neighborhoods and live in their houses and see what it's like after a while 
And Ma- I just thank the president so much for everything he's doing and for you and all of us who are Republicans, even poor Republicans, stand behind him, keep on standing, and God bless the USA. Maxine, God bless you. Keep on preaching. I love the passion. I love the fire. I love the enthusiasm. That was awesome, and I hope you call back again soon. That was terrific. TJ, I've only got 40 seconds. Go ahead. Real quick, Bob. You know, for years I was a federal contractor, okay, private sector, and Navy man Norm and and your op-ed hit it right on the head. Uh, There are some good people in the federal government that try to get things done, but they're far and few in between, and they're considered a threat by the rest of the employees. Bob, if I wrote a book, what I've seen as a private sector contractor, there would be a taxpayer revolt. What needs to be done is well, what maybe, maybe, with- maybe the revolt is happening right now. By the way, by way of this shutdown, and maybe it is going to gain steam the way the uh, op-ed talked about. TJ, sorry to cut you off, but I got to get out because Mike Gallagher will not wait. Gallagher next on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.